wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. It's good to see everyone tonight. Take a few moments and get out of your seats. Shake hands and fellowship for a little while. the last now would you do service for jesus your king there's power in the blood power in the blood would you live daily his praises to sing there's wonderful power in the blood there is power power wonder working power in the blood of the lamb there 
is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask the Lord to bless the evening and everything that's going on. The young people are in the back. Of course, Brother Terry's away. Uh, doing camp down in Macon, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Brother Ken is in Charleston, South Carolina. So we want to remember them in prayer. But, of course, our teenagers and uh, junior high back there having their service. We want to pray for them. And uh, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I'll ask Stephen Green, if you would, to lead us in prayer. Amen. Remain standing. We'll continue to sing. Page 269, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can all again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is thy hope that makes me but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is our flow that makes me white as good singing. We'll ask the ushers to come if they would and we'll take up the regular Wednesday evening offering. As you know, this offering every Wednesday night goes to uh, help pay for our Bible conference coming up very, very soon. And so we appreciate all that you've given through this past year to make it somewhat easier this year. So we praise the Lord for what he's doing. I'm looking forward to the Bible conference this year. And so you be much in prayer. I've already talked to several and they said they have already been praying for the Bible conference. They had somebody today tell me, I promised Brother Ken that I'd pray for that thing. He asked for us all to. And she, and they said, I've been, I've been praying, so you pray for that. And, and the campaign, the campaign, uh, let's have a fall revival, all the things that's going on. It's going to be an exciting couple of months, and I'm excited about what God's going to do here. So you be praying about these things. And then just before we pray and take up the offering, I just wanted to uh, publicly, I was glad I was able to get up tonight. Just I want to thank each and every one of you that uh, 
really went out of your way Sunday, and many of you just, you made me feel so uh, warm and ha- make me have such a wonderful birthday this past Sunday, and I appreciate all that each of you did. I, 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 Lisa and I was at home and reading the cards and different things, and and I sat there, I was just totally overwhelmed, and I just, just reading the cards and the things that you've done, and I appreciate this church. This is, uh, we don't really talk too much about anniversaries anyway, but it happens to be my fourth anniversary too. I start, My birthday's on the 23rd, and I started work here on July 31st, and uh, so it's been four years and it's been the best four years of my life. I praise the Lord for Temple Baptist Church, and I just want to thank you publicly for everything that you did. I appreciate all that you did. So let's pray. For <laughs> nah. Well, let's pray that the Lord bless the offering now. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this evening. Thank you for the privilege to be able to gather in your house tonight. Lord, I pray that everything that's said and done would bring honor and glory to your name, and I pray that uh, this offering we're about to take take up. We pray that you'll just help us to use it for the furtherment of your kingdom and to bless and to be a blessing to the men of God on, uh, around the world. And we thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to ask Jessica if she'll come sing tonight. She's learned a new one, and she's going to have a backup group sing with her on the tape.
appreciate that singing. Wasn't that a blessing? Well, if you have your Bibles, be fine in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. I want to bring a message this evening that I would entitle, The Filling of the Holy Spirit. The Filling of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5. And if once you found that, if you would stand to your feet, uh, respect for the public reading of the Word of God, we'll begin reading verse number 18 <clears throat> and read down through verse number 21. Ephesians 5, begin reading verse number 18. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You may be seated, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you once again this evening. Again, we do thank you for the privilege to gather here tonight. We thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for his sacrifice many, many years ago being 
poured out, being spilled for us, sacrificing himself for us. We thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us as we live our lives to sacrifice ourselves for you. Help You died for us. Help us to live now for you. And Father, again, we do thank you for your word. Now, Lord, I pray you'll help us as we look to it. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. And Lord, the message you've laid on my heart, I thank you for it. And I thank you for how you've dealt with me this week as I've studied. And Lord, I pray that you would just speak through me now the message that you've laid on my heart. I pray that each one of us will learn something this evening and will apply the truths of your word to our hearts. And may we never, never be the same. May we love you more as a result of this service tonight. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you all know, generally speaking, it is, it, is, it is rude and it is impolite to ask some personal questions. Everybody knows that there are some questions that you just do not ask people. Uh, I don't think there's anybody in this room would feel comfortable. You don't walk up to a lady and ask, how much do you weigh? <laughs> you just don't do that. You don't walk up to a lady and say, how old are you anyway? Uh, you don't ask, you, unless they're real young or, or fairly old. Now, a lot of times, either and they like to tell you uh, how old they are, but if most of the time they don't like to tell you how much they weigh and they don't like to tell you how old they are. I think you would agree that you shouldn't walk up to somebody and say, uh, did your plastic surgery not work out or do you always look that way? Uh, it's something that you just, you just wouldn't want to ask somebody. I, was, I, di I didn't witness this, but I was told this is, a this is the truth that there was a group of people standing around and they were all talking, men and women alike, and somebody walked up to the group and they got in on the conversation. They happened to look and there was another lady there and they asked, when is your baby due? She wasn't pregnant. <laughs> you know, you got to be careful about certain things. And all of us know there are certain questions uh, that you just do not ask. There are certain personal questions you just know better than to ask. But at the... I want to take a risk tonight, and I do want to ask you somewhat of a personal question. And I, I believe it is appropriate uh, for this particular hour. I want to ask you a question tonight, and here's the question. At this very moment, are you filled with the Spirit? At this very moment, are you filled with the Spirit? Now, understand, I'm not asking you, do you believe in the filling of the Spirit? I'm not asking you, have you been filled with the Spirit? I'm asking you, at this very moment... Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I believe that the truth that is found in the passage of Scripture, in a few verses that we read just a moment ago, I believe that they quite possibly could be, could be the most important truth that you and I as believers will ever grasp, the truth of the filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, if we are filled by, being filled by the Holy Spirit is vital to our growth as a believer. Being filled of, of the Holy Spirit is vital to our success as a servant of God. If you are filled with the Spirit tonight, you will be effective and you are effective in your Christian life. If you are filled with the Spirit, you will be living a victorious Christian life. If you are filled with the Spirit, you will have the power of God on your life. But if you are not filled with the Spirit tonight, then everything you do is done in the energy of the flesh. You see, if we, when, we're, when the Holy Spirit fills us, and we work in the power of the Holy Spirit, we produce, what we produce is spiritual life. But when we work in the energy of the flesh, depending upon our own strength, depending upon our own abilities, what we produce, anything that we produce, will have about it the smell of spiritual death. I believe that the truth that's found here in Ephesians 5 is the difference between being a carnal Christian and being a spiritual Christian. I believe that there are many believers... I believe that there are many Christians who are saved, yet they have never submitted themselves, they have never yielded themselves to the control of the Holy Spirit. 
And because of that, they live a defeated life. They live a carnal life. And the, the pull of the world seems to have a stronger hold on them than the things of God. So in their carnal state, they never know the joy and the liberation and the abundant power that we as children of God have available to us. But before we go any further, and, and the filling of the Holy Spirit is somewhat of a... It's not really a complicated matter, but there is a wide array of speculation and ideas on what exactly that is and what exactly that means. I want to be clear on what I'm talking about, about the filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, there are a lot of things that the Holy Spirit does for us, in us, and through us. And a lot of things that the Holy Spirit does for us, He does at the moment we get saved. For example, the moment that you were saved, you were born of the Spirit. You were regenerated. You were born into the family of God. You were born of the Spirit. At the moment of salvation, not only were you born of the Spirit, but you were baptized by the Spirit. That, that is, you were baptized into the family of God, into the body of Christ. That's why we call each other brother and sister, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. We're all in the family. We've been born of the Spirit. We've been baptized by the Spirit. But something else the Holy Spirit does, when we got saved, the moment we got saved, we were sealed by the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now that means that the Holy Spirit becomes your protector. The Holy Spirit is your guarantee of heaven. Now you're aware tonight that your eternal security does not rest in your hands. Your eternal security is in the hands of God. And the Holy Spirit is protecting, the Holy Spirit is guarding your eternal security. And uh, that's something else that the Holy Spirit does. We are not only born of the Spirit and baptized by the Spirit and sealed by the Spirit, but when you got saved, you were indwelt by the Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit took up residence in you and in me. He lives within us. We are indwelt by the Spirit. Now, these are all sovereign works of God. They take place positionally. They, they, have to do, they establish our position in Christ. Nowhere in the Bible, as you study the Word of God, nowhere in the Bible you find God commanding one of His children to be born in the Spirit. If you're saved, you, that's already happened. Nowhere in the Word of God, as you study, will, will you find God commanding one of His children to be baptized by the Spirit. That's already taken place. Nowhere do you find that, the, that God would command us to be sealed by the Spirit. That's something that's already taken place. And nowhere are we commanded to be indwelt by the Spirit of God. When we got saved, that's already taken place. These things have already happened. But when it comes to the matter of being filled with the Spirit, that is an entire, entirely different matter altogether. You see, although the things that we talk being born of the Spirit and baptized of the Spirit, sealed and indwelt by the Spirit, we're not commanded to do any of those things. God does those when we get saved. But God does command for us to be filled by the Spirit. And there's several things that I want to point out to you tonight from the few verses that we read. I want you to see three things about the difference that it makes in your life and my life when we are, when we are, full, when we are filled with the Spirit, the difference that it will make in our lives when we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Three things, I'll point them out to you quickly. Number one, I want you to notice here in the verses that we read, I want you to notice the profound contrast. The profound contrast. To help us understand exactly what it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit, the Scripture here gives us a powerful, a profound contrast. It says in verse number 18... Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So we have a contrast there. We actually have a comparison there. The contrast is between being filled 
and be filled, being filled with alcohol, being filled with wine, or being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not be filled with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what happens when a person gets drunk? What happens when a person uh, gets filled with alcohol and gets filled with wine and all these different things, strong drink? What happens to that person? That alcohol begins to take control of that person, doesn't it? And that alcohol changes that person completely. When a person begins to drink and begins to drink all the alcohol until they get drunk, they become a totally different person, don't they? They change completely. You take a, an individual who is normally a very well-dressed person, if that person gets drunk, all of a sudden they become sloppy and they become very unkept looking. You take a person that is normally very, very shy, you get that person drunk, all of a sudden they're not shy anymore. They're very loud and they're very boisterous. They have changed. It's the alcohol that has changed and become a totally different person. A person who is normally afraid or somewhat timid or fearful, that person, once they, if they become drunk, they all of a sudden become bold as a lion. You see, if a person is filled with alcohol, they become a totally different person altogether. If a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, he too becomes a completely different person. If we are filled by the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives, we will be a completely different person. A person normally, if you're normally timid and normally don't like to share the gospel and don't like to do you know, certain things and whatever and you're timid, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you change. You, you get bold in the power of God. You find this Christian who is normally fearful and a little afraid, maybe a little timid. If that person gets filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden that person becomes filled with courage. And Paul is saying in Ephesians here, he's saying, don't be filled with alcohol. Don't do that because it will change you and the changes will be for the worse. All the changes will be bad. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That too will change you. But the changes will be for good. The profound contrast that Paul talks about here. But there's something else that I want you to notice here in the story. Not only do I want you to notice the profound contrast, but number two, I want you to notice the personal command. The personal command. Very simply, verse number 18 says... Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, I'm certainly no expert in grammar. I've heard Brother Ken say many, many times that, that math was his worst subject and he does not like math and all these different things. Well, I, I enjoyed math going through school, but English was my pitfall. I hated going to English class. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, with schools that have ACE. I don't, are you familiar with ACE at all, the Christian schools? The ACE, you have these, they call them little paces, but it's little books, and we go through them, and in English, we would have like 120 paces that we had to go through. But as I was going through high school, it seemed like every five paces, it was on English grammar. It was on the parts of speech and all these things. Now, I got to where I was pretty good. I could pick out a subject. I can pick out a noun, pick out a verb. But when you got around to having to pick out the adjectives and the adverbs and the direct objects and indirect objects and, and um, diagramming sentences and naming all the parts of speech, I'll be honest with you, I absolutely hated that. Every five paces, every five workbooks we had, we have to go through that, and I never got it. Went through that the, the whole time. But having said all that, when you look at this particular verse, when you, when you consider the way that is written, when you consider the way that is given to us, it sheds a great deal of light. It sheds a bright light on what God, what God is telling us about being filled with the Spirit. I want to point out to you a couple of things. Number one, that statement, be filled with the Spirit, it's in the imperative mood. It's in the imperative mood. That means 
It is not an option. It is not an option. It is not a suggestion. It is a command from the living God. When God says, be filled with the Spirit, he, that is an imperative. It is a command. It's not an option. It's not something for us to think about and consider whether or not we want to do this. It is a command. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, what that tells me is anybody who, wants, who stands up to preach better not do so unless he is consciously filled with the Spirit. And I would say to all the Sunday school teachers here, you should never stand before your Sunday school class and teach without consciously being filled with the Spirit. I would say any musician or any singer or anybody in the choir, you should never get up and try to minister without being filled by the Spirit. It is an imperative. It is a command. Be filled with the Spirit. But not only is it an imperative, but number, the second thing I want you to notice, it's in the present tense. It is in the present tense. It says, be filled with the Spirit. It's in the present tense. Be filled. Right now, be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not something that is a once and for all experience. It is something that's to be taken place at every moment of every day. It is, a, it, it is to be constantly filled with the Spirit. It is to be continually filled with the Spirit. Right now, it's about 7.30... We're living in the present. Right now at 7.30 on Wednesday night, you should be filled with the Spirit. I should be filled with the Spirit. Tomorrow morning when you get up, you'll be living in the present. You should be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It is a continual thing. It is a daily thing, day by day by day by month by month throughout all your lives. It is a command and it's to be done every single day. Do you know that it's possible? And I think one of the reasons why it's written that way. Do you know it's possible to be filled with the Spirit one moment? And just a moment later, not be filled with the Spirit? I'll give you an example. I think of Simon Peter. And you're familiar with the story where the night where Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And you remember the disciples, they said, uh, everybody answered. They said, well, they say you're this one, they say you're that one. And Jesus said, well, whom do you say that I am? And you remember Simon Peter, he rose to the heights filled with the Holy Spirit, and he said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You remember what Jesus said to Peter? He said, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonas. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my spirit. Jesus said, Simon Peter, I am aware that it is the Holy Spirit in you that revealed that to you. You are being filled with the Spirit. That's the only explanation that you would say such a thing as you just did. But do you remember just a few minutes later, Jesus began to talk about the cross. He talked about dying on the cross. And you remember what Simon Peter did? Simon Peter kind of got a hold of Jesus kind of took him to the side. He said, now, Jesus, let's not be talking about that cross business. We don't need to be getting into all that mess. You remember what Jesus said to Simon on that occasion? He said, he looked at him, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou knowest not the things of God. At one moment, Jesus looked at Simon Peter and he said, Simon Peter, blessed art thou, son of Barjona. Thou art filled with the Spirit. And the very, it seemed like just a few minutes later, Jesus looked at Simon Peter and said, Simon, you get behind me. You're acting like Satan. You know what that tells me? That tells me that I need to be filled with the Spirit every moment of every day. It is a constant thing. It is a continuous thing. We are to be filled with the Spirit in the present tense. But there's something else that I want to point out to you about that phrase. Be filled with the Spirit. It is in the imperative mood. It's a command. It's in the present tense. It's a continual thing. But it's something else that I want you to notice. It is plural in number. It is plural in number. That is, it is addressed to every believer. 
Paul is not saying to one individual, he's not saying to one group, you need to be filled with the Spirit. It is plural. He's saying to everybody, be filled with the Spirit. Now we all know that Brother Ken, he needs to be filled with the Spirit. We all know that the Sunday school teachers on Sunday mornings, they need to be filled with the Spirit. We all know that Brother Rick and the choir members, hopefully they all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to get up and minister. But Paul is saying right here that being filled, the Spirit-filled life is an experience that is available for every child of God. And not only is it available for every child of God, it is commanded of every child of God to live their lives filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And you know what that means, men? Tomorrow morning when you get up and you get ready to go to work, you need to get on your knees and you need to pray or in your car on the way to work, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you so that you can be all that you can be for God on the job site. Ladies, that tells me that tomorrow morning when you get up and you get ready to go to work or you get ready to tend the needs of the household, you need to pray and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with His power and fill you with His presence. Why? Being filled with the Holy Spirit is an experience that every believer ought to experience every day of our lives. The Holy Spirit ought to indwell you. The Holy Spirit ought to be in control of you every moment of every day. It is imperative. It's a command. And it's to every one of us. But the word filled, be filled with the Spirit. Now the word that is translated there, filled, is actually used in several different ways in those days. But one of the ways that it was used was this way. It was to describe completely covering a surface. To feel would be to completely cover a surface so that every corner, every crack, and every crevice was absolutely penetrated. Absolutely, completely covered. And what Paul is saying to us right here is that the Holy Spirit, that we ought to be penetrated, we ought to be permeated with the Holy Spirit of God. It is the word to be controlled. We ought to be absolutely, totally, and 100% controlled by the Holy Spirit. It is a personal command. But there's a third thing that I want to bring to your attention. Not only do we see that it is a profound, there is a profound contrast, not only do we see a personal command, but thirdly and finally, I want you to see a powerful consequence. A powerful consequence. Now if you and I, if all of us in this being, if we were to live our lives in such a way that we were living the Spirit-filled life, that every moment of every day that we were being filled by the Holy Spirit, I promise you, you're going to notice some drastic and some, and some significant consequences in your life. Several things that I think of all of a sudden, if we were to live our lives totally, 100% filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God, you would see God doing some things in you that you never thought were possible. Have you ever been in a situation and you're talking to someone, you're, you're doing something and, and either sometimes at that very moment or sometimes you look back on it and you say, man, God really took control right then. God really took over and God did something. You see, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, God will do some things with you and through you that you never thought would be possible. It is amazing to me... It, it, I think of this almost every day. When I think about the work of God, I think about the, the eternal significance of what God wants to do. And all that is involved, the, the, the brevity of it, the depth, the, all that God wants to do, His work, His ministry. And He uses people like me to do it. And He uses people like you to do it. But when we, when we will submit ourselves, when we will yield ourselves and be filled with the Holy Spirit of God... 
God will begin to do through you things that you never thought possible. The power of God will come upon you and you will, do some ama- you will see God doing some amazing, amazing things. But uh, Paul talks about several things that I want to point out to you in these verses. Several consequences that we see from living the Spirit-filled life. First of all, in verse number 19, I see the inward consequence. The inward consequence. Look at verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. If you're living a life that is filled every day, moment by moment, filled by the Holy Spirit, it's going to affect you inwardly. Paul says if you're living a spirit-filled life like you ought to, you're going to walk around speaking to yourself, singing and making melody in your heart. God will put a song in your heart. God will put praise on your lips. And He will do these things for you if you're living in uh, controlled by the Spirit. I like what one writer said. He was talking about this particular verse. He said, he said right here he believed that this uh, was the solution to many of the psychological problems that believers have. If we will live our lives in a way that we are totally controlled and yielded to the Holy Spirit, there will, the, it will touch our inward emotions and touch our inner man and fill our hearts with joy and praise. It will do something for you inwardly. If you're living a Spirit-filled life, it will affect you inwardly. But something else not only will affect you inwardly, but it will affect you upwardly. Look at verse number 20. He says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But giving thanks always for all things unto God. If you're living a spirit-filled life, not only is it going to affect you inwardly, it's going to affect you upwardly. It's going to affect your relationship with God. You will see God doing things in that relationship that you have with the Lord it will be totally different from what you ever remember it being. That relationship will be deeper. That relationship will be more intimate. That relationship will be more personal. If you're living a spirit-filled life, it's going to affect you inwardly, but it will affect you upwardly. And he talks that it will make you a thankful Christian. But there's something else he says in verse number 21. Not only will it affect you inwardly and upwardly, but it will affect you outwardly. Look at verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You live in a spirit-filled life. It's it's something that's going to affect your relationship with other people. All of a sudden, it's not going to matter to you whether or not you get your way. All of a sudden, you will adopt an attitude of a servant. It won't matter to you so much that you get your way as it matters that God get His way done. As I studied the Scriptures, and I thought about this this week, and and uh, being filled with the Spirit, and we talk, it is a command. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. But something interests me. As I read the Scriptures, we find many instances where we see and hear of people that were filled with the Spirit. I th- think of Stephen. When he was stoned, he was full of the Spirit, the Bible says. And different ones, as you read the Bible, it says they were filled with the Spirit. But you know something interesting that, that you notice? All those people that we read about, The Bible says that they were filled with the Spirit. Not one time did any of those people that were filled with the Spirit, they never did say, hey, I'm filled with the Spirit. You need to listen to me. Hello, I'm filled with the Spirit. Listen to what I'm about to say. You never did see anybody in the Scriptures do that. You know, and I thought about that. I mean, it's a command. It's something we should do every day. We should be filled with the Spirit. But never do you find somebody saying, I am filled with the Spirit. Now, in every case you'll notice that other people around, the people that were listening or watching, other people that were there, they all noticed, they took notice, and they said, that person's filled with the Spirit. But the person that was, 
never did say so. And I've wondered about that. Well, wonder why. Why is that the case? But if you remember in the Gospel of John, you remember when Jesus said that he was going to send forth his Spirit? You remember what he said about the Holy Spirit? He said, he will not testify of himself. He will testify of me. If you and I are living our lives a Spirit-filled life, we're not going to go around patting ourselves on the back. We'll not go around saying, hey, look at me, I'm filled with the Spirit. You know what you're going to be doing? You're going to be bragging on Jesus. You're going to be lifting up the name of Jesus. And everywhere you go and everything you do, your life will radiate the Lord Jesus Christ. It will radiate and you'll brag on Him everywhere you go. You know what my prayer is for me? You know what my prayer is for each and every one of you? I pray that we will get so full of the Holy Spirit that everywhere we go, it'll just be nothing but Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm, I will, everywhere That we would live and breathe the Lord Jesus Christ. That everywhere we go, that, that Christ would just radiate from our lives. And that can happen if we're living the Spirit-filled life. My prayer is that... If, you, if you're walking down the sidewalk and you get bit by a mosquito, that mosquito will go off singing, there's power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Talking about being filled with the Spirit. When we're full of the Spirit, it means we are full of Christ. And you will be going around and you will be exalting Jesus. You will be lifting up and bragging and magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ with your life. I don't know about you, but I want my life to be that way. When people see me, when people meet me on the street or in a hospital or wherever it may be, when they walk away from me, I want them to be able to say, uh, they may not have the vocabulary, but be able to say, that guy was full of the Spirit. He radiated Jesus. That's all I could see was Jesus out of him. And that's my prayer for every one of us here, for me, for you, for this church, that we radiate the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will, and you will, if you'll live the Spirit-filled Life. Charles Stanley has a book, and I read it a number of years ago, The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. If you don't have it, you need to get that book. It's a wonderful book, but it truly is wonderful, and I hope each and every one of us will experience it. Take your prayer sheet if you would, and we want to go to the Lord in prayer tonight. I appreciate your attention. But The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life, I hope every one of us experience that in our lives. But we want to go to the Lord in prayer tonight. We want to remember... Our missionary of the week, we want to remember our church of the week and the hospital list. We want to remember Jack and Sandra Reese. These are missionaries to the Jews. And uh, Brother Jack's been here a couple of times. I've ran into him at some other churches, and I, I like being around him. He's just a great guy. I love Jack Reese. And so we want to pray for Brother Jack and his wife and the ministry that they have. And our Church of the Week, we want to remember to pray for Gospel Light Baptist Church in Charleston, South Carolina. This is where Brother Ken is this week. I think he's concluding a meeting tonight at uh, uh, Pastor Bob Boofer. He has been here before as well. But we want to pray for that church and pray for the meeting. Our hospital list, Lorraine Eli, not sure. I talked to her today about 2 o'clock. She thought she might be able to go home today or pretty soon. They, uh, the reason why she's in there is they thought she might have had a mild heart attack or some kind of blockage, but they couldn't find anything, and uh, so she was real thankful about that, that there's no blockage. But anyway, continue to pray for her and Lula Jackson at Siskin, and also Juanita Warnick at Huntsville Hospital, and then the, all the other special requests, and we want to remember all of these. But just before we pray, is there anybody, is there any requests anybody has that you would like the church to remember over here on my left-hand side? Is there any, uh, Irene? Silent request, okay. Lost loved ones. Silent request, okay, remember these. Yes, sir? Pray for Quim, have been, have been.
can you continue to pray for Quim Hudgens? Yeah. Silent request. Anybody else over here on the left? Uh, yes. Okay. Remember this. Uh, is Eddie preaching tonight as well as both Brother Ken and Eddie preaching every night? Okay. Eddie Goddard is down there as well. We want to remember to pray for him too. Okay. Remember this mission trip. Anybody else in the middle? Any other requests? Okay. How about on the right over here, Brother Raymond? Amen. That's right. <clears throat> Amen. Appreciate that. Appreciate you. Saw another hand. Yes, Eva. All right. Pray for Eva Tate's mother. Anybody else on the right? Yes, sir. Okay. Remembering a son. Remember this. Anybody else over here on my right hand side? Yes. Yeah, okay. Remember this request, a young man that's going through some serious, serious struggles in his life. We need to remember him in prayer. Amen. Oh, good. Oh. <laughs> All right, remember to pray. If you didn't hear that, Terry is preaching in, of course, I mentioned earlier in the service he's down in Macon preaching in a camp, but 11 were saved on Monday night. So we praise the Lord for that. Remember, pray and continue to pray for him throughout the week. Anyone else? Any other requests before we go to the Lord in prayer? All right, I'll ask all of you who will. Let's just gather around this altar and let's just, we want to go to the Lord. We want to lift up all the things that's been mentioned, Missionary of the Week, the Church of the Week, and pray. We all committed. Many of you raised your hand to committed to pray that we let's have a fall revival. A lot of things planned, and we can plan till we're blue in the face, but we need God's touch to be upon these things. We need His hand to be upon these things. We need His hand to be upon our church, and we want to have a fall revival. We need, I need a fall revival. I, I, I tell you, I'm just being honest with you. We need a fall revival, and let's just pray and uh, Trust God to do a work, a special, special thing in our midst. Monty Daggett, if you would, if you would open us in prayer and then I'll close us. <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> yes. Our Father, we do thank you for your word and thank you for how you speak to us. And Lord, we thank you that we can live a, a spirit-filled life and you want to be a reality in our daily lives, moment by moment, minute by minute. And Lord, I pray that you'll forgive us for the times in our lives where we are not yielded, we're not surrendered to you the way that we should be. And we know that when we are away from you like that, then nothing of any eternal significance could ever take place through us. We need your power. We need you to be to do and to work through us. And we thank you for what you've been doing in this place and for how you've been moving and working and for the people that's been saved and the lives that you have touched. And Lord, we're so thankful for this place and so many, how needs have been met here and how you have touched so many lives. We thank you for that. And Lord, we, Lord, this fall we are praying, we are trusting you to have a fall revival. Lord, we 
we desperately need a touch from you. We want you to, to work here. We want you to touch our lives. We want you to touch our church. Make us change us, Lord. Touch our hearts. Each and every one of us, Lord, may you just do a work in our hearts and lives. Father, we want to remember our missionary the week we pray for Jack and Sandra Reese. We do thank you for that family and for the work that they do. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them today and whatever needs they may have in their ministry. I pray that you would just meet them. I pray that you would increase their faith and I pray that you would enlarge their vision and just use them mightily, Lord, as they minister and work for you. And Lord, we pray for Gospel Light Baptist Church. Pray for Pastor Bob Boofer. Lord, I pray you'd just touch him and encourage him this week and pray that you have used Brother Eddie and, and, and uh, Brother Ken this week if they've been down there ministering and preaching the word. Lord, I pray that you would just use your word there and I pray that there would be a, a real and a deep revival that takes place there in that place. And I pray that you would just use that church to be a lighthouse in that community, Lord. And we do thank you for them, for our sister churches. And Lord, we remember those that are in the hospital, so many that have needs, so many requests that's been mentioned. Lord, we, we do lift all of these things up to you, and we ask you to take care of each one according to your perfect will. And Lord, we do ask tonight, help us to live the wonderful, spirit-filled life. Use us this week. May Jesus radiate through our lives this week. And Father, we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, I ask everyone to stand and we'll be dismissed. But I do thank each and every one of you for coming tonight. And you be faithful and continue to pray for all the things taking place this fall. And you be faithful and you be faithful to your place this Sunday at Sunday school. God bless you and you're dismissed.